We have been going through a study of Luke, and it's going to draw to a close today as we look at the rescue plan for the confused. I'm remembering a story I read not long ago about a little girl who, um, whose family was not very well off at the moment. You see, her father had decided that he wanted to get his doctorate, and the organization that he worked for had said that they would send him to school with a small allowance. The allowance covered everything that they needed, their rent, their water bill, electric bill, etc. but they didn't have anything extra for the little things that they would have liked to have. They didn't have the money for the cookies in life. So her mother was very resourceful and would make a lot of homemade items. And this little girl would go along with mom and try to sell them. Now this was in the day that door-to-door -door sales was still possible. There's probably a few of you in this room that don't even know what I'm talking about. Um, but I remember, as a matter of fact, it used to be that's the only way you could buy a vacuum cleaner, right? Anyway, she was attempting to sell her mother's homemade items by door-to-door -door sales, and she finally got to this um, house, and the lady listened to all the reasons why these items were so grand and how helpful they would be in her household. And finally, the lady said, all right, I'll take it. So the little girl says, oh, first of all, she's kind of stunned and, and happy because she finally had a sale after all day. And then she says, great, which one? The lady says, I'll take everything. I'll take everything in your bag. I'll take it all. Well, to say the least, this little girl was very confused. And when the lady said, you will take a check, won't you? She did, couldn't even answer. She was so confused and unsure. She had to go double-check with mom and be sure that that was acceptable. Um, today, we're going to look at Luke 24 and see the reactions of a couple of other very confused people. Um, remember last week, we ended off talking about that evildoer who was assured that he would be with Jesus in his kingdom? And now we find that Luke 23 ends as you just heard, with the women seeing the tomb and how his body had been laid out. So that when they could come back on Sunday morning, they would know exactly what to expect and what to find. So as you heard a little while ago from those stories, they were on their way back, but they found the stone rolled away and did not find the body of Jesus. No wonder they were perplexed. And as they're standing there, perplexed, behold, two men in shining clothes stood near them. And, hmm, do you remember at the very beginning of Luke, the shepherds responded with fear when they had this angelic announcement? Now these ladies are going to respond with fear because of an angelic re announcement kind of an unusual occurrence, maybe, but at any rate, confusion doesn't take long to set in when these two men said, he is not here. He has risen. He's not dead. What do you mean he's risen? We just saw him laying here. And now you're telling me he's gone because he's no longer dead? 
confused, they definitely are. It doesn't take the angels long to tell, give them the antidote for confusion. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again? Do you remember that? When you're not sure of God's heart, remember the cross. Your assurance of salvation is found there. When you're not sure of the future, remember how he has led you in the past. When you're afraid and your heart is troubled, remember his promises. Remembering is the antidote and seems to be the key ingredient in alleviating fear and confusion. The women did remember, and they went out to proclaim Jesus' resurrection. Now, the early church would have never made up this kind of a story, so we're very sure that this is a true story, because, as you remember when we talked about at the beginning of Luke's um, book, Shepherds and women were considered ineligible as witnesses. So the early church isn't going to say that women got this message and was witnessing what had happened. Um, they aren't the ones that would go out proclaiming it unless it was really true. It would have been a strange phenomenon at this time. Um, so they come, the disciples didn't believe them as you heard, read in, from the scriptures, when they came and told the disciples, they didn't believe them at all. But I'm going to give Peter credit, just a little bit, because he's the one that got up and went running to see if it was, gonna, if it was really true. John followed after, we know, but um, he decided he was going to check it out. But he found the tomb empty too, and he went away confused. Um, was this good news? that the tomb was empty? Had they lost everything? Maybe not. Time to figure it out. So now we've got two confused people, and verse 13 adds a few more. Two of them were going that very day to the village of Emmaus. It appears that probably two, these two were part of that group in the room and did not believe the women's account and thought it was nonsense. While they were talking and discussing, walking and, and discussing these issues, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. The story fills us in on who this is, fills the reader in, but the two disciples who are walking have no idea who this is. They don't recognize him. Was it the sadness and tears in their eyes? Do I not recognize his presence? Just this week it was hard to see his presence because tears fill our eyes. I wonder how many times I've missed out on mega joy because of the fact that I can't see because of tears. God is always with us, even through the tears. Or maybe especially through the tears. But their tr sadness triggers a, um, a dialogue, 
and Jesus asks them, what are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking along? <laughs> Astonishment and confusion set in almost immediately. They stopped and wondered, who could this be that doesn't know what's happened? I mean, it's all over the news. So Cleopas asks the question, are you the only one in Jerusalem that is unaware of the things that have happened here these days? What does Jesus say? I love this. What things? <laughs> is Jesus being sarcastic? Mm, maybe a little, but not really. You see, Jesus is giving them a chance to now explain what their version of this whole story is all about. And verses 19 through 24 give their version. And I noticed four main points that I think blocked their minds and left them very confused. The first point was limited per perception. Verse 19 says, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people. Yes, Jesus had referred to himself as a prophet, and he was indeed. But he was so much more than that. He was and is God, the Savior. The great obstacle here was the spiritual discernment had limited perception. And a lack of that elevated perception of who he really is can lead us to judge, or in some cases, misjudge God's actions, his timing, his motives, his intervention, or what may appear his lack of intervention in our own lives. Understanding who Jesus really is elevates our perception. Verse 20 as another obstacle, finality. The chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. It's over. It's done in their minds. Despite the fact that Jesus had told them numerous times that crucifixion was going to happen or that he was going to die and was it would not be the end because he was going to rise again and he would meet them in Galilee on the third day. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever thought that it wasn't quite the person God had for me? That didn't turn out to be the person God had to me. It, it was over. Or we were hoping our kids would go to university and they didn't. Their lives are over. <laughs> Not quite, but... Or, I was hoping to be finished. I recently thought I was hoping to be retired soon, and then something else happened at work, and that isn't happening <laughs> as quick as I hoped. God redeemed the world. He can do immeasurably more than we can ever imagine or think or even ask. Um, don't don't worry that he doesn't know what's going on. It's not over. Remember, just when the caterpillar thought the world was over, he became a butterfly. 
God's setting you up to become a butterfly. The third problem I see is regret. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. I was hoping for a lot of things, and it didn't happen. You see, regret from the past can prevent you from your present, and especially it prevents you from your God-filled future. But perhaps the most glaring obstacle is unbelief. They say in verses 22 to 24, some women from our group were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had been seen angels who had said he was alive. Some of us there went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women had reported, but they didn't find him. They are definitely confused now because they can't believe what they cannot see. Isn't that what belief and faith is all about? We hope because of the promises of God. We stand firm because we cannot see, because we know God's promises are true. And that's why we learn to walk by faith. And it is definitely a journey and a learning experience. However, now it's time for Jesus to step in. And verses 25 through 27 give us Jesus' account and his version of the story. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the things that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering into his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning them himself. Wow. I wish I could have been at that theology class. There was a plan to all of this mess. Christ had to go through this, and he explained to them exactly what was happening. From the beginning, he started to explain everything. Do you see the care that Jesus is taking here to make sure that even these confused people understand the rescue plan? He took time to explain his presence throughout all scripture. He took them through creation, the birth of the first few babies, right through the flood and his presence there, through all of Abraham's journeyings, up through the, into the Exodus, the Passover, the kinsman redeemer concept, the Jubilee thoughts, even the suffering Messiah. And even though that seemed like an oxymoron to these disciples, this is what they learned, that the scriptures they had grown up with were all pointing to Jesus. It was all about Jesus. The Bible, oh, I think I got ahead of myself. Excuse me. As they came then to their house, um, after this explanation, Jesus took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And in this act, they recognized him. Their eyes are open. 
and perception climaxed as they recognize who this stranger really is. And they exclaim in verse 32, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained all these scriptures to us? You see, the Bible wasn't just a nice ethical book. It's the history of our redemption. It's Christ crucified from Genesis to Revelation. It's all about Jesus. Their eyes are opened and they're starting to see this. The recognition of this truth is coming to them. They got so excited about it that that very hour they decided to go back to Jerusalem and tell everyone there what they had just experienced. And I'll bet you never once in that seven-mile trip did their legs groan as they hurried on their return trip. You see, an important training and methodology teaching, as important as that might be, the real tool in your box of witnessing is an experience with Jesus. Behold him who died for you. That's what brings an overflow of joy. When they got there, they were, everybody in the room was excited because the Lord had really risen and he appeared to Peter. They all knew this. Now these travelers relate their own story. In verse 35, then the two men from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking down the road and how they had recognized him in the breaking of the bread. Now, it seems to me it had to be pretty late by now, but this is exactly when Jesus shows up. Just when they were telling all about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be to you. Can you imagine this whole scene? The whole group was startled and frightened as soon as they saw Jesus and were thinking that they had seen a ghost. But Jesus takes the time to make sure they understand even more. He says, look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me. And make sure that I am not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. Jesus spends the time eating with them and starts the same explanation that he had given to the two travelers to Emmaus. He tells them, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This description is best understood by he explained the whole Old Testament, the scripture available to them at that moment. Their misunderstanding, their confusion, is now open to understand. The word understand here reveals a much deeper, under, um, deeper meaning than simple knowledge. It is to gain insight regarding the scriptures. In other words, they are now connecting the dots. They see how creation, how the connection with the tabernacle, the, um, 
rituals that were involved in that, the Day of Atonement, the Sabbath, and countless other cherished concepts, how they relate to Christ, it's made clear. Jesus makes sure that the confused understand and are included in this rescue plan. And just to make sure that some of this confusion is cleared up, Luke adds verses 46 and 47. It was also written that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise the third day, that repentance and remissions of sin would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. Jesus had purchased salvation for everyone, and his disciples are now open to understanding that this good news was to go to all the nations. What good news? Salvation is for the fearful, the marginalized, the outsiders, the destitute, the unworthy, and now the confused. Luke's whole gospel has been about salvation is for you and me. The gospel of Luke ends with Jesus ascending to heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Now the most amazing thing happens. Once the disciples understood the scriptures and the plan, once they accepted the assurance of what Jesus had accomplished for them, they celebrated because they knew, no longer confused, they knew that this was good news. They had not lost everything, that they had gained everything through Jesus. The rescue plan had been accomplished and assured of fulfillment. So they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. You got it, mega joy. You have gained everything through Jesus. May our minds be open to accept God's plan and our hearts burn within us as we too understand that our salvation is assured in Jesus, guaranteed by his resurrection. Now I know you want to say it. I know you want to join me. Are you ready? One, two, three. Woohoo!